While I continue to scrape the mud off my boots after cereals, we'll hear from uh, some of those at the event on the programme this week. It's absolutely essential for every other sector that we have a vibrant cereal sector. Cereals has been a bit of a flagship or a landmark opportunity to for the uh, sector to get together. It's a really important, obviously, here in Lincolnshire, but right the way across the UK. More from the NFU's Manette Batters and AHDB's Tom Hind in a moment. Later, a Kenyan agronomist view on farming in the UK. I look at your rate fields and I don't envy you with a loss of neonics. You, you've got a serious um, challenge with those. Plus, we look ahead to this coming week's Lincolnshire show. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Yes, this was the sound at cereals in the week. A very muddy sight at Boothby Graffo after torrential rain. Many questioned whether it should have gone ahead, especially on day two, with only four-wheel drive vehicles being encouraged to attend. The cost of cancellation, though, could have been the death knell for the event, so with everyone's safety a priority, it did continue. I was there on uh, day one, along with Manette Batters, president of the National Farmers Union. She agreed it was important cereals did go ahead. Oh gosh, really important, and especially for the cereal sector. You know, we really need to raise the profile of this sector. Um, it's absolutely essential for every other sector that we have a vibrant cereal sector. So both politically, for consumers, for farmers, you know, cereals is an important national event and regardless of the weather farmers have showed that actually that doesn't put them off you know they've turned up and we're really showcasing what this sector is all about you've just been at a seminar talking about preparing for the future is agriculture ready for the future does agriculture even know what the future is uh, possibly not in all cases, but agriculture is one industry that has always embraced change, has always evolved, and I have every confidence it will rise to the challenge. It will embrace change and it will evolve. We will have a new Prime Minister in six months' time, a new government potentially. There's been various conversations taking place about maybe you know Brexit is a good idea, we can get all this cheap food coming into the UK. That's not good news for farming, is it? No, it's been very disappointing to hear um, politicians across the board talk about Brexit being good because it's about cheap food. Um, we feel, yes, of course, it's important that it's about affordable food, but you know, we are one of the most affordable countries in the world of which to buy food. In fact, we've got more affordable food here in the UK than any other country in the European Union. So to drive price down further, when we have legislation on the way farmers farm here, uh, we, of course, will really make sure that that is widely understood uh, by consumers across the board who really value our high standards of environmental uh, protection and indeed animal welfare. It's not just about food safety. You also mentioned about exporting as well, us pushing back, if you like. Government has been a, a lazy exporter uh, of agricultural products, uh, agri-food, if you like. So we're the largest manufacturing sector. It's a great opportunity now to build, I mentioned the role of AHTB, to build uh, an export platform for that largest manufacturing sector which is food and drink um, and you know we're a devolved nation you know so we're four countries one nation but we need to be able to open doors together and then make sure we're promoting the PGIs within that. 
And I imagine from the NFU's point of view, you will be knocking on the door of whoever wins the Conservative Party leadership and will be really pushing agriculture as, uh, you know, make sure it's high up on the agenda. So we, we absolutely will. We've written, I have written personally to all the leadership candidates wanting a meeting. Um, so we'll be really interested to see what feedback we have and, and absolutely seeking a, a meeting with the Prime Minister as soon as possible. I met uh, with the Prime Minister, Theresa May, uh, on June the 21st last year. So I look forward to meeting her successor as soon as possible. And if it was Prime Minister Gove, would that be good or bad for, for UK agriculture? I think that would be good for UK agriculture because he's someone that really understands the industry now. Um, it's actually only Rory Stewart that you've seen on social media who's been really talking about the countryside uh, and the role that it plays in underpinning the largest manufacturing sector. So we really want to make sure that whoever the next Prime Minister is really understands our industry and wants to work in partnership with us. That's Manette Batters, President of the NFU. Also on that panel that Manette was on on day one, looking at whether agriculture is preparing for change, was Tom Hind. Now, he's the Chief Strategy Officer at the AHDB. He, too, was pleased that cereals battled the weather. Well, yes, I mean, uh, the last couple of years have been fantastic weather. This year has uh, been a bit of a bit of a washout so far, but the attendance, is, uh, the attendance seems to be uh, holding up, which is, uh, which is really good. I mean, from a, an industry point of view, cereals has been a bit of a flagship or a landmark opportunity to, for the uh, sector to get together. It's a really important obviously here in Lincolnshire but right the way across the UK uh, and from our point of view as a, an organisation that works for and on behalf of um, arable, arable growers uh, it's a good opportunity for us to kind of engage with um, the people um, who, who invest in the, the HDB levy uh, to showcase some of the work that we do on their behalf and um, the, the things that, the, 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 that they can benefit from. And that engagement is crucial now isn't it? Absolutely yeah and increasingly for us um, engaging farmer to farmer working directly uh, uh, with, with farmers on the ground is becoming increasingly increasingly important and it's important because the industry is going through a period of uh, unprecedented change and challenge we've heard today about the announcement of uh, net zero commitment by 2050 I mean the farming industry will have to massively um, adapt and respond to that uh, but also because um, uh, all the, 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 the situation that we may or may not first in relation to Brexit also brings a, a quite a big change in the political and, uh, and commercial landscape in which the industry operates to. Are we ready for that change? Uh, I, I think it's really difficult to say. I think, by and large, the impression is that uh, most, most most farmers, most growers, are, uh, are relatively unprepared. But you can understand why um, why they may not be. It's very difficult to plan for the future when you don't know what the, the the rules of the game are going to be in terms of who you're trading with and what the market price might be, etc. Nonetheless, we know that there are some things that are likely to happen. That the policy landscape definitely will change. We'll be out of the CAP out of um, the basic payment scheme and therefore farmers will have to think about how they build a resilient business that enables them to thrive and prosper without depending on direct payments and for the cereal sector in particular that's quite a big challenge. You mentioned about farmer to farmer talking to each other, the industry coming together, it's about engaging with others as well isn't it? We're, we're both quite similar, you're from Sheffield, I'm from Scunthorpe, both steel towns. How do we engage with people in our hometowns about how important agriculture is, how important farming is, particularly with Brexit coming? Well I think we've, we've seen a, just a, a fantastic uh, thing in the last couple of weeks with uh, with Open Farm Sunday, and I was uh, uh, I, I happened to be uh, I shouldn't admit this, but I was in the gym a couple of nights ago, and uh, I was hearing a couple of guys who said they've been to the local Open Farm Sunday, uh, and so I think farmers opening up their doors. Bear in mind, kids really like they, they like visiting farms, they like looking at tractors, uh, they like seeing the livestock, and I think that the, the the fact that more and more of the industry's got involved in these kind of activities initiatives, I think, has been been really good. I think the second thing is the power of the power of social. 
media, it's live, it's viral and it gets out there. Uh, and the more farmers that we have actually um, showcasing what they do and, and using it, what, what they do as a bit of a shop window for the industry, I think can't be, uh, can't be a bad thing either. Indeed, no bad thing. Thank you, Tom Hind, Chief Strategy Officer at AHDB. There was an international flavour to cereals this year as well, with a number of farmers from across the globe attending and sharing ideas. Among them, Kenyan agronomist David Jones, at CropNuts underscore Agron, if you're on Twitter. One would imagine it's a dry desert, but it's actually, this place has been the dry desert by the sound of things. We are in a situation where we're high altitude, so it's a very similar environment, and cropping to here, so there are a lot of lessons that we learn from here. Whatever varieties these guys are growing is probably what we should be growing and whatever inputs to the crop and approaches they're doing is what we need to be doing two years down the line. So it's all highly relevant for me. So some of the things you'll be seeing here at Cereals uh, today will will be something that you might be seeing in two years' time over in Kenya? Absolutely, yeah. Spring barley varieties, for example. It's We've got to grab the ones that look good, talk to the guys here and learn how to grow them. There are obviously some quite big differences, but um, it's similar enough that, um, yeah, all the technologies and the varieties is what we need to do. And how is farming in Kenya at the moment? Uh, we've, funnily enough, we've started raining last week, which was late, but prior to that we had a very dry start to the year, so it is. it feels very, very reminiscent to hear um, yeah we've had a, t- a couple of difficult seasons but everyone in the world you speak to has had this thing of wet summers dry winters dry whatever so it's there is no predictability to the weather um, so it's almost a bit of soul searching really you know you come to people who deal with the same problems up in Lincolnshire which is which is always nice and, and I know from, from watching you on Twitter, you know, we, we see all the sea rape fields around our part of the world, but in your part of the world, you've got giraffes popping out from them. Yeah, we, we do have the odd giraffe in there. <laughs> Luckily, they've sort of moved out at the time being. So, um, but uh, I, I do, you know, I mean, I look at your all-seed rape fields and I don't envy you with a loss of neonics. You, you've got a serious um, challenge with those. Um, I've no doubt, I mean, some of these guys... Uh, talking to the Association of Independent Crop Consultants are right at the the front of their fields and they will find a way through this but it's it asks a lot of questions of the rotation that's for sure and what you do with such a key crop when you have that sort of unpredictability uh, it's one of your main, your main income sources in the rotation so it's um, I'm watching very closely because if we we have neonic seed dressings at the moment we could easily lose them. The Canadians have taken them away, um, and we will be in a similar position. So it's it, it's right at the front of our minds. This, yeah. Are there things that we can learn from what you're doing over in Kenya? You say we're kind of you're kind of two years behind what we're doing here, but are there lessons that farmers in the UK can learn from? You? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, there are. Um, the big ones for me is there's no agricultural research, so we've had to break down what we need to prioritise. And some of the really basic stuff like nutrition, um, we've had to revisit and we've actually found that some of our, the earlier work or the assumptions are not right. Um, I'm not going to question RB209 too much, but I bet there's bits in there that magnesium nutrition, for example, or copper nutrition, um, boron and moly nutrition in pulses and all seed rape. Yeah, that, that, there's a lot of things you could learn from what we do about simple testing them Uh, a lot of things we're doing on no-till and soil health which when we do have a dry period in kenya which we do some seasons it really sorts out those who have looked after their soils and those that haven't Um, and when it's dry it's a lot more drier and difficult than here 
and uh, no-till for us has been a really good way of doing that and retaining residues on the surface. Yeah. Obviously we saw the very dry summer over here last year and we've had a couple of dry winters now, albeit very wet <laughs> setting up here at Serial, so it feels, yeah, sure. feels odd talking about that. Mm. But you know, we could be going that way, couldn't we, with very dry conditions yeah. and, and we, you know, yeah. learning about looking after our soils to make sure we can survive those, those weather extremes is, is key, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean we, if you look at some of the farms I work with in Kenya, um, they went to no-till five to ten years ago. And it was always the old saying for them that you would have a crop failure in a dry year. And when I mean a crop failure, you're not talking a couple of tons a hectare. You're talking burned off, nothing, dust. So it's very, very serious. Those guys go into no-till, they get the rotation right. They look at nematodes, which is something that we sort of haven't looked at here. We've more sort of focused on take-all. But all the things that kill the roots and the ability of the roots to take up the moisture. Um, yeah, it's it's... The, the, you know these these seasons are so challenging and the variability that you you can't aim for the highs all the time you've got to have a resilient system that that rides out those peaks and you may not always get the best in a good year but you've, you what keeps you in business is avoiding the troughs in a bad year and keeping them average uh, that's what the Australians do very well, actually. I think. That's Kenyan agronomist David Jones there from CropNuts. I was actually speaking to David on the AICC stand, the Association of Independent Crop Consultants. And of course, our agronomist, Sean Sparling, is chairman of the AICC. They're in the muds on both days. Yes, morning, Sean. Well, we'll come on to that in a minute, obviously. <laughs> but I just want to come back on David Jones, really. What a great bloke. I mean, I've known David a long time. He's a very, very thorough, forward-thinking, progressive agronomist and a very good agronomist too. He was a member of AICC before he went out there and uh, we have him back on several occasions speaking at our conference talking about the issues they face out there with agronomy and crop pests and whether we can apply any of the solutions they've come up with to UK agriculture. A very, very good bloke. Um, And one of the photographs he shows in his presentation is a picture of his oilseed rape with the pest that they have a problem with, which is giraffe grazing it, a family of three. Well, it just goes to prove that everybody problems are not necessarily the same as other people's problems which is a lovely metaphor for life but it's perfect for farming and you know I would happily trade cabbage stem flea beetle for a few giraffe but then we should be very careful what we wish for and now doesn't that lead on beautifully into the weather this week cereals I bet they were absolutely mortified with the forecast it started raining with us on Sunday evening and by the first morning of cereals on the Wednesday morning I had taken over 70 millimetres of rain and they'd had over 100 millimetres of rain out in the Navenby area. Now since then it varies between about 85 mil north of the county up to over 160 in places. Very 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 wet and I have to take my hat off to the organisers of cereals because they've managed that beautifully. Yes the car park was a bit wet, yes the walkways were absolutely sloppy anywhere where any vehicles were was just a puddin but they managed it beautifully and the perfection of the choice of site at Boothby on that farm you have a topsoil of about eight to ten inches and underneath it it's almost solid rock so yes it turned to soup yes it turned to slop yes your car probably needed a bit of a wipe when you left the car park but actually driving through all that slop you were pretty much on top of rock and actually getting on the 
on and off the site wasn't that difficult. I did pull a couple of people off who'd got stuck in the softer areas of the car park, let's say, but all in all, pretty good. Lot less people there than you would expect. Not not surprisingly, really. A lot of people didn't go. Far, far fewer numbers than I've seen before. But our throughput at the AICC stand was as good as any year I've ever remembered. So um, Now, the other thing which showed up there, and we talk about disease control this year, I've talked about it a lot, and you should be careful what you wish for. We've been wishing for rain since the middle of February, but we need it you know five inches of rain from the first of january to the middle of june is absolutely awful now we've had all this rain you've got to look at the positives there's potential there for this to get up into the grain fill the grain fill the rate the sugar beets set off at a rate of knots the peas and beans hopefully the peas will stand it if it dries out they don't like their feet in wet conditions for long the fusarium will soon take hold but hopefully the freer draining soils will be okay there are some big problems with crops which have gone down you look around whole beach on that fertile production land round there on any heavy land if you've had that rain and it's had wind accompanying it it's going to go flat when the ground turns to soup you can't stand a spoon up in a bowl of soup and it really won't matter how much money you spent on growth regulator programs if you spent 10 quid or 50 quid it'll still have gone flat so all you've gained is spending an extra 40 quid if yours has gone flat and your neighbors didn't and he didn't spend the money so in a year like this you just have to put things down to experience you have to take the positives and you mustn't worry or beat yourself up if things have gone flat because there's nothing you can do about it we've said it so many times Times. This job is 80% luck and 20% skill, but it's that little 20% which makes the difference between success and failure. Now, a lot of people are talking about and comparing this year to 2012 and 2007 with the levels of fusarium we got, but there's a big difference. In those two years, it was the flag leaf which was compromised. Now, that didn't go on well, didn't go on in the right conditions, didn't go on at the right time. This year, it has done. So, we're in pretty good nick. A lot of these crops are spotless from top to bottom, despite what the weary willies say who say oh it hasn't been a disease year you look at your mist strips your wide wheelings you look at the untreated at cereals you will see just how much septorian rust there really is about and how good a job these fungicides are doing and how vital they are to everything we do in food production so don't worry about it there's nothing you can do if you haven't got your ear disease spray on yet remember growth stage 61 to 63 onset of flowering crucial if you've missed that timing because of the weather and you still haven't gone on and it could be the middle of next week before you do go you're wasting your time on fusarium if it's already in it's already in all you're going to do is top up foliar disease control um, or if you've got the backward crops which are pushing into ear prioritize those potatoes now is the time to spend your money use the expensive products now which are capable of dealing keep those intervals tight no good spending money later if the problem's already in so hopefully let's have another week out of the way the weather will get better the prognosis improves and we could be set for a good harvest let us pray thank you the reverend sean sparling of sparling agronomy services on to the open field report it's jerome fielder with the news this week like sean keeping one eye on the weather hi sean well how the weather changes for months we've been waiting for some some substantial rainfall and all of a sudden we're getting a month's rainfall in 24 hours unfortunately the heavy rain combined with strong winds has led to some lodging in spring and winter barley I'm sure most growers are now hoping for a drier week and a breeze to help dry off these wind and rain-battered crops. Anyway, back to the markets. It feels as if we're in a bit of limbo at the moment, with no significant shifts in either direction. The London wheat futures closed last week at £153.10 on November 19, 
and opened on Friday at £153.25, only a 10 pence gain on the week. The USDA report came and went with limited market reaction. Corn prices were supported by a steeper cut in the US maize yield than generally anticipated. This was down to both a yield and acreage reduction, knocking 34 million tonnes off last month's estimate. There is thought that we will see further reductions with the forecasted cold and wet weather continuing. But on wheat, the report was neutral to slightly bearish, with global production estimates increased slightly. Closer to home, the focus is turning more to quality issues rather than yield necessarily, if this wet weather continues, as mycotoxins could be an issue. New crop prices are in the £140 pre-Christmas, currently for feed wheat. The wet weather could lead to a delayed harvest, which could potentially support old crop prices, as consumers may require extra old crop wheat. Just looking at feed barley and malting barley now. The barley values drifted towards the end of the week as wetter weather in Europe led to an increased production forecast. The European exportable surplus is now between 1.2 and 1.7 million tonnes. The French Agricultural Ministry reported an 18% higher spring barley acreage, but cropping indications in the UK showed a slightly reduced acreage of spring barley. Please note, however, that even with the reduced area, the UK will have an exportable surplus of 350,000 tonnes, based on average yields. All seed rate markets haven't shifted much on either new or old crop, although weaker currency has supported values. Old crop markets are running out, with a little rally in prices appearing less likely. New crop markets are close to £310 off the combine in some areas. Now for your ex-farm values. Feed wheat is trading between £145 and £147 for July, with June positions largely covered. For as available wheat, you're looking between £142 and £144, and for November, £146 to £148, with premiums on Group 1s on old crop between £18 and £23. Feed barley trade is very thin in old crop, with values similar to those off the combine. Uh, feed barley off the combine values are £120 to £123 X farm. All seed rate values are 307 to £309 for spot movement and then off the combine we're looking at 305 to £308 uh, with a carry to November of £315 to £317 X farm. We hope to see you at the Lincolnshire show this coming week. In the meantime, for any inquiries on grain marketing advice, please speak to your local open field farm business manager. Thanks, Jerome. And yes, we uh, may well see you and the open field team at the show. There are a number of anniversaries being celebrated at the Lincolnshire Show this week. It's the 150th anniversary of the Agricultural Society, the 130th anniversary of the show itself, the 60th anniversary of the show being held at the showground, and the 10th anniversary 
of the Epic Centre opening. Uh, Jane Southall is the show's chief executive. One thing we always need to make sure is we keep it an agricultural show, and it's got. And I think we do well at that. Um, but it, all the time, it's looking at what we can do differently. Last year, we celebrated 100 years of the RAF, and that was a great theme, and lots of people bought into it. And you have to think about it as well. It still relates back to agriculture, you know, and and sort of you know during the war, um, some of the uh, farm and land was taken out for air bases and different things and then the women had to work the lands and we were tasked with the farmers were tasked with feeding England so all the time it relates to so many things that relate back to agriculture and and this year it's 150 years of the agricultural society which is great but we sort of said to businesses as well what's your timeline for your business what have you seen change because there's so many things that have changed um, you know in the last 100 years let alone 150 years and it's quite important that we just keep remembering what's happened and that in fact a lot of it have happened in Lincolnshire. We've seen other shows uh, disappear literally they've gone the Royal Show and various others how has Lincolnshire survived why is Lincolnshire still going thankfully after 150 years? I think with Lincolnshire we, we've kept the show in, in the w- midweek and I know there's always questions about that when you look but when you look at other shows like East of England show that moved their show they're no longer here and I was sp- speaking to a CEO of a show the other day and they're looking at going from they're currently uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday but they're looking at Friday, Saturday, Sunday because they're thinking will they get more people on a weekend I don't have the answer to that uh, if I did and we knew it was going to work but then you see you're asking for people that are busy all week to also be busy on a weekend and actually we have to follow the show schedules you've had other shows I think it was the Royal Show that Ash actually went up and clashed with the Yorkshire show and they only lasted a year. Um, so I think it's we work together with other shows, making sure the show calendar fits in. A lot of the exhibitors go from one show to another show. But also we look in what can we do to make it a bit more different so that people want to come. You know, we've got the Falcons. We've got the motorbike in the main ring, Baroque FMX. Um, and we've got choirs singing, and, 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 and it's just making it something for everybody. Jane Southall there, looking ahead to Wednesday and Thursday's Lincolnshire show. Right, after a week of downpours, has this week got something better in store for us? The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Well, it should hopefully be drier. It couldn't be much wetter, could it? Uh, high pressure pushing in from the south, so uh, things might warm up a bit. Today, still some rain around. Temperature's 17. The wind from the southwest gusting at around 30 miles an hour. Tomorrow and Tuesday, hopefully dry. A little warmer, as I say, with the wind. Still from the southwest, 20 to 25 miles an hour. And daytime highs of 19, maybe even 20 by Tuesday. Then Wednesday, looks like we might get some rain. It really depends just where it'll fall. There could be some heavy, thundery rain for the latter end of the week as well. As ever, though, as we learnt last week, it can change quite quickly, and the hourly forecasts are crucial at the moment. We will keep updated every hour. For now, though, that is the forecast. If you are going to the Lincolnshire Show, do look out for us. We'll be broadcasting our special Lincolnshire Show radio throughout the event once again on FM and DAB. And, of course, we'll have highlights here on your farming programme next Sunday at the usual time. Until then, stay dry.